You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. He's our legal expert. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, why don't we start off with uh, this resignation from Officer Dolan. Uh, A lot of people seem to think that um, uh, the Pawtucket police officer, that this uh, alleviates a lot of his legal problems. But it's... um, it seemingly, as as they were in the middle or about to begin this Leobor hearing, um, his resignation seemed to be enough, at least for the problems he's had in Pawtucket. Well, it's um, finally a conclusion to a very ugly uh, series of stories regarding this guy. Um, the Leobor hearing could not have been going well for him. Now, he resigns as opposed to being fired. So I guess that's a Pyrrhic victory for him. He um, gets to collect his unused sick time and unused vacation time, which is worth, um, I I think, a considerable amount of money. He got paid a lot of money for the time that he had been um, suspended um, before being found not guilty on that um, shooting of the um, alleged shooting of the um, teenagers in the car. He got over $100,000 on that one. Uh, the city wanted him out. Mayor wanted him out. Council wanted him out. Um, you know, what has he had? He's had a, the, the shooting. He's had a DUI with reckless charges of reckless driving and threatening a police official. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, he's been able to get himself uh, off of the hook um, most miraculously with the um, finding of not guilty on that um, um, firing at the car full of teenagers. But uh, really, he had to go. Um, And the case that was currently before Leobor, I mean, he must have seen the handwriting on the wall and wanted to avoid, you know, the, the taint of being terminated. So he resigns. It's kind of a distinction without a difference. He's not going to get a pension. Uh, he was not a police officer long enough to be qualified for a pension. But it's my understanding that whatever monies he put into um his presumed future pension, um, he will get that money reimbursed to him. And I think also he negotiated to keep his family on um, a medical plan for another year. So that has a value to it. So he must have seen that he was going down in flames, negotiated himself a reasonably decent outcome, and he's gone, thankfully. Now, sticking with police, uh, Tim Dodd, apparently uh, Detective Christopher Perutti, one of two officers stealing from the police union, has entered a guilty plea, fraudulent conversion of money, five-year probation on each charge, full restitution. What are we to make of this case? Well, if if the guy has no prior record, um, looking at the materials that have been made available online, um, the plea disposition form appears to make it look like he got a deferred sentence, meaning that if he's, he, he pleads guilty, um, but normally no um, penalty would be imposed. So my understanding is that he pled guilty with the proviso that he would be making restitution for the money wrongfully obtained in the sum of something a little bit over $37,000 He'd pay that in a lump forthwith. And the material that I've seen says that he got a deferred sentence, meaning that if he stays out of trouble for five years and has made the restitution per his agreement, that this um, um, disposition would thereafter be expunged from his record. So, you know, I've seen the reporting that he got five years probation, but... I've also seen his plea form, which indicates he got a deferred, which would be a much superior outcome for him. Um, It looks like a good deal for him in any event. If they had him dead to rights, he's going to make restitution. He's off the force. And um, if he stays out of trouble for, I believe it's five years, um, this whole event would be expunged from his record, which is a really good job by his defense counsel, in my view. Yeah. 
Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, also now flashback to uh, 2020. Uh, apparently, a settlement has been reached in this that moped crash that then caused so many problems. That was in the fall of 2020. And it looks like this was a settlement that was reached between Jamal Gonzalez and the, uh, the city. And specifically, I believe they were going after the Providence police. Yes. Um, we remember that this was when these motorbikes or mopeds yep. were harassing ATVs. motorists around yeah. the city. Um, in this particular case, police gave chase. Um, the question is, did this um, Jamal Gonsalves um, recklessly operate the, the, the motorbike that he was on, lose control and um, suffer a head injury? Or was his... Um, motorbike bumped by the bumper of a police cruiser causing him to lose control and resulting in a significant um, head injury. Um, my understanding is that this case was going to be coming up for trial some something like March of 2024. And normally when cases approach trial, that's when parties get serious and discuss settlement. Um, this case, you're right, this was quite some time ago. It's been out of the news, if you will, and I'm not fully aware, and I'm sure most folks are not fully aware, as to what the discovery has shown. You know, before a case goes to trial, there's a whole process of discovery. What have any eyewitnesses had to say about what happened? What did the officers say? What did the other motorbike operators say? What did any uh, surveillance videos that might have, after this thing was cycled out of the news, if you will, were there any other videos from any other homes or businesses in the area which could shed light on what really happened here? Um, I'm not aware of all of the discovery which has developed, but there certainly has to be enough that the city is motivated to settle with this guy. Now, how much is the settlement for? What are the terms? That has not yet been disclosed. So we don't know the magnitude of the dollar value of this settlement. But um, it's it's always been a difficult case. I mean, I think these motorbike operators harassing, you know, citizens, other motorists, the cops... Um, don't present a very sympathetic picture. But, you know, if the, if the police utilized excessive speed or didn't follow police protocol for this type of chase, you know, all you need is a little bit of liability to get a significant jury award in, in our jurisdiction. So sure. it appears that both sides have locked in a number Certainly, the, the, the city wants to mitigate what it might have to pay out if a jury verdict went against them. And the injured uh, gentleman is looking to control his fate and not put it in the hands of a jury. So I'm sure we'll know in short order what that number is, and that will tell the tale about um, the significance of the settlement. Is it a big one? Is it a modest one? Time will tell, and I think we'll see very soon. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead, our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area and you're going to love the lounge the lodge pub and eatery people rave about their delicious consistent great food and also the great staff i'll see you at the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln at med urgent care walk-in urgent care center all your medical needs, they're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road 
East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week. At Med Urgent Care, when you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to At Med Urgent Care, whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be. At Med Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston in the Atwood Medical Center, and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. We're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this is uh, our next story. It's a headline you don't see that often, or really, I should say, but Rhode Island Attorney General sues Prospect Medical Holdings and concern has to do with these two hospitals. This has been certainly in the news that there's um, fear that Fatima, Roger Williams, that they don't have proper supplies, that surgeries are being canceled because they don't have supplies. What are we to make that uh, Attorney General Nerona is actually taking action against these two facilities? Well, when these hospitals were allowed to be sold off to uh, Prospect Medical Holdings, which is a for-profit national um, corporation which buys up and operates hospitals for profit, um, amongst the other um, terms of the deal when this um, was negotiated, was that uh, Prospect was supposed to ensure that the um, um, ob financial obligations of Fatima and Roger Williams would uh, be maintained. I believe that Prospect was supposed to put $80 million into a reserve account against which you know, any unpaid bills could be um, taken care of. And Prospect was supposed to ensure the financial viability of these two hospitals. Now, the reports are that Prospect Medical Holdings, in, on a national um, basis, is not doing well financially, and um, it's selling off some of its um, weaker hospitals as fast as it can. Um, the fact that, you know, the economists who look at these things suggest that Prospect Medical Holdings isn't doing that well and is attempting to liquidate some of its hospital holdings uh, doesn't reflect well on Fatima and Roger Williams. In fact, um, the complaint filed by Nerona's office suggests that uh, there's $24 million currently owed to vendors for all kinds of things. Wow. And these bills simply aren't getting paid and I think that this lawsuit is an attempt to, number one, give um, Prospect Medical Holdings a kick in the pants to say, you know, if you're going to stay in this deal, you've got to honor your obligations and get these vendors paid. Uh, some of the vendors, it's for medical equipment, medical supplies, and because they're not getting paid, things are not getting delivered. And as you say, you know, it creates an upside-down situation. Um, the operations are getting canceled. There's staffing issues. There's all kinds of problems. Um, what will be the result of this? Will Prospect step up, and put up the money necessary to pay the vendors and continue to uh, 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 honor its obligations? Or is it in the process of falling apart? I don't know. I'm not sure if anyone knows. But I think that Nerona was smart to try to nip this in the bud, if you will. Um, I'm not sure how long it's taken to accrue $24 million worth of obligations. But now that um, it is known and now that it has all been alleged in a superior court filing, I, I think this should be brought to a head rather quickly. Yeah. Staying in Providence, Tim Dodd, there's been a lot of talk about Angel Street, these three uh, older homes. I think they've built in the 18, you know, 1895, 1839, anyhow. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about mystery shrouds, 
uh, planned demolition, three vacant east side properties. As much as they even had a vigil out in front of these three homes uh, on Angel Street, right bordering the Brown University campus. Um, the owner of the properties, the, the identity of that owner does not uh, seem to be have been revealed. As long as the owner, whoever bought these homes, is following all guidelines, um, seems you know totally within the right to demolish that many of these individuals the preservation society they may not like it but it, it doesn't sound like anyone's not following the laws or, or breaking the law in any way well I, I think that the people holding a vigil they they have a good faith concern that you know potentially has you know I don't, these buildings do not fall within a historic zone, so they don't have the same protections that um, older homes in other parts of the city enjoy. Um, so these vigil holders might not like it, but they really don't have much of a uh, legal uh, leg to stand on, if you will. Um, it appears that the owner of these three properties who wants to demolish them has followed precisely the rules and ordinances that are on the books in the city of Providence. Um, the council person for that area, Councilman Gonsalves, claims that he wants to put in a resolution which would require more effective notice being given to abutting property owners if a building is to be demolished. I believe the notice would be simply to let everyone know that these things are going to be demolished in case there should be any you know, um, dangerous debris, anything that would get into the air, um, or anything that could be a danger to motorists or pedestrians or neighboring properties. Not notice to give the neighbors a chance to say, well, we don't like this, but... Um, notice more for a general safety um, concern. Um, these buildings are not in a historical zone. Um, the neighbors have a legitimate concern. It's not their property to control. They could have, I guess, bought it if they wanted to keep these things as three houses. But whoever owns it paid north of $2 million to acquire them. There have been previous um, proposals to the city to um, put a hotel at this location and other commercial uses which have been shot down um, so the neighbors i'm sure have a legitimate concern that uh oh instead of three houses we're going to have some sort of commercial development but if the owner is following the rules as they exist i don't see that there's anything that's going to stop um this demolition from occurring you know unless this group of neighbors want to pony up money and buy this property and you know the properties are not worth the amount paid if they were just going to remain as three houses right the value is in the knockdown and the repurposing of these three um, parcels for commercial development tim dodd uh, a south kingstown is apparently facing potential lawsuit where uh, this intellectually disabled South Kingstown man could sue the town. He said he was detained over the summer, pulled over. Uh, they investigated a possible car theft. And uh, what are we to make of this story out of uh, South Kingstown? I, I think South Kingston better get its checkbook ready. This is, wow. this is a terrible, this is really uh, I, I, I don't over-exuberance or I don't know what you want to call it of the officer investigating here. We've got an intellectually um, challenged guy who's driving his vehicle um, in South Kingston. Apparently he works at South County Hospital. He keeps a small apartment. He lives a very quiet life. Um, somebody, I think there's a yard sale or an estate sale and a woman suddenly sees this car go by and say, that's my car, thinking that her car has been stolen. So somebody calls 911, um, cops show up, they give chase, they pull this poor guy over in a parking lot, tell him, get out of the car. And he says, why, what, what's the matter? What have I done wrong? And this, this cop who shows up, he's got this body cam going, 
never ask the man from what I know, you know, show me your license and registration, um, ask any questions, immediately tries to handcuff him. The guy's resisting, saying, what have I done wrong? Um, there's a, clearly an unlawful arrest. Um, clearly, I don't, it seems to me that police procedures were not followed. And while the cop is all over this this poor gentleman, um, others show up and they say, oh, never mind, it's not our car, we made a mistake. So the woman who cried wolf realized that this was not her car and it was not in the process of being stolen. But it seemed like this um, officer jumped to a conclusion, didn't really do any investigation, but immediately went to um, the level of trying to cuff the guy and throw him in the cruiser, which is, in my view, completely inappropriate. Yeah. So the, um, the, uh, the intellectually challenged individual has an exceptionally good lawyer as his brother. And guess what? The lawyer's taking the case and putting uh, South Kingston on notice um, for a significant monetary claim. I mean, this guy was put through the ringer. Uh, the upset was tremendous. He really, you know, I'm not sure understood exactly why he was being stopped. I mean, clearly this was all a big mistake, but I think it was a mistake that was made worse by the conduct of the um, investigating officer for sure. Could he go after that woman that said, that's my car that was just stolen? Not, not particularly, okay. no. I mean, she made a mistake. Yeah. She didn't She didn't say, call him out by name saying, Mr. So-and-so, this stole my car. Look at him driving down the street. Um, she just sees a car that resembled her car, thought it was her car. Right. And after she, you know, makes this statement, upon further reflection, says, oh, no, my, my car's right over there. Oops, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> and in the interim, this this poor motorist is getting yeah. arrested by this cop. Tim Dodd, it seems that at the very least, the officer, it could have been cleared up if he just said, can I see some you know, license and registration? He would have seen that the car was registered to that man and avoided the whole thing. Folks, yeah, before he just, before he just muckles him yeah. and tries to arrest him. Yep. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus, call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 a service and delivery and they're going to serve you for a very long time they have a great user-friendly website you just log on at propaneplus.com and then you type in your zip code residential commercial propane plus heating and cooling always there for you give them a call today in rhode island 401-885-4209 in massachusetts 508-252-3359 the johnson family three generations heating and cooling, you can always depend on Propane Plus. We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, moving on to uh, Massachusetts, a couple stories. What are we to make of, it would seem that this Bruins forward who pled not guilty to assault charges, um, it would seem that he has more of a problem as a member of the the Boston Bruins, as opposed to whatever happened with this domestic incident, sounds like or seems like it might be able to be resolved. But what he seems to have is a PR problem and a problem with his employer. Well, he certainly has a PR and a problem with his employer. Yeah. It, from what I see, it appears that he's been simply charged with assault and battery. Um, in Rhode Island, it would be a domestic assault and battery. I'm not sure in Massachusetts if the, it's the analogous charge, but in Rhode Island, domestic assault and battery is more significant than simply um, assault and battery on someone who's not a family member or a spouse. Um, he was released on his own personal recognizance with the proviso that he not drink alcohol. 
Um, so maybe he's got a alcohol issue, which he can um, utilize in part as saying that his conduct was a result of, you know, a um, an illness or an alcohol dependency that remains to be seen. But vis-a-vis the Bruins, um, I'm not sure what happens to him in the future. Look at the NFL has this policy, you know, regarding taking action against players if they're involved in a um, allegation of, or being charged criminally with something to do with domestic violence. We've seen it over and over again. So I guess the Bruins are going to have an issue in a public relations issue, whether or not this guy um, is acquitted or resolves this case in a manner that does not result in a, in a conviction. What will the Bruins do with his um, place um, on their roster? I, I really don't know what they will do. But it sounds like this is a case that can easily be disposed of. Yeah. And it would be with any garden variety defendant, except that um, uh, this guy Luchik is not a garden variety defendant. He's a well-known media you know, sports figure in Boston. So it's harder to quietly take care of his case. Tim Dodd, you had a, um, a Boston television reporter. He's doing a report from outside the Boston Garden. And as he's live, this guy, first this woman's, you know, yelling in the background, and then this individual who apparently thinks he's being funny uh, comes up behind him and actually jumps on his back. Now, the reporter posted the clip saying, you know, hey, this is not, this is not okay. But in, in essence, um, you tell me, but that individual maybe thought he was being funny. He he actually committed assault by jumping on the guy's back. He should be charged criminally. That yeah. is an outrageous thing. You know, this is a this is a moron coming out of a hockey game who thinks it's going to perhaps be funny to startle a reporter from behind, jump on his back, and make statements and, you know, behave in a way like he would be like a WWE wrestler or something. So, you know, clearly not the sharpest knife in the drawer. This reporter had no idea this was going to be happening. Uh, the reporter, you, you're right, John, you know, post something saying, you know, this is our job. We do this live. Um, we, when people approach us, we don't know what their intentions are. Um, remember a few months back, there was a female reporter. I think she was at a, um, at a marathon and one of the marathon runners as he goes by and she's doing a live shot, I think pats her or grabs her by the butt. He got charged criminally as he should have gotten charged criminally. Maybe he thought he was being funny, but that's an assault. And the guy that jumped on the back of this reporter should clearly be charged criminally. Um, He's on video. They know who he is or they can figure it out. And it would be totally appropriate for him to be charged because that's the type of thing that, if not corrected, can easily get out of hand. And the reporter does have a point, John. They're out there doing these live stories with big crowds around. Um, What happens when a reporter like yourself is doing a live shot at one of these protests? Is it okay to start, like, hassling you or pushing you or, you know, assaulting you? It it can't be allowed to continue. So hopefully the Boston police will be on this and get this guy charged. Folks, we're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. And, Tim, uh, we've talked a lot about the Karen Reed case. And it sounds like, it seems to me, what started as just the defense alternative theory just— escalated into you know then you have the blogger who's being told stay away from the witnesses what what are we to make of the Canton police chief says now they're going to handle a review of this karen reed case now they feel it's going to end the wild speculation it's all corrupt everybody knows each other it's all compromised um i'm not convinced (laughs) with the crowd that believes uh so deeply there's something here i I don't know if they're going to convince anybody but it, it seems rather extraordinary as, you know, this is all still playing out, hasn't gone to trial, that they are going to handle a review of this kind. Yeah, I mean, all of these, it's, it's 
ironic in by way of comparison like in in all these trump trials there's gag orders there's all sorts of concerns by the judges and the prosecutors that the jury pool could be influenced by all this pretrial conduct in, in this case with karen reed um could you have more prejudicial pretrial material out there prejudicing both the prosecution and prejudicing the defense? Uh, the prosecutors have been out there, you know, putting things out into the, the uh, media um, harmful to Karen Reed's case, and her lawyers have been doing it. Um, um, an interesting job of putting stuff out there into the public realm which they claim to be part of her defense. Those claims have, I think, significant um, evidentiary problems for ever being heard by a jury. But what's a potential jury pool to make of the fact that a town council meeting, the voters or the participants voted for an internal investigation of the police department as to what's been going on with this case? It's interesting that the vote in favor of doing this investigation was approximately 900 for, 800 against. So you've got essentially a split in the town. Now, is that split reflective of those who think that Karen Reed is not guilty of this and that there's a cover-up, and the other faction thinking that there's no cover-up and she actually did this? Um, for those attending and those voting, it looked like almost, but not quite, a 50-50 split. A little bit more of the folks there in attendance and voting voted for this investigation. But if I'm the prosecution, I've got to be really worried that, you know, people are buying in, potentially buying into this whole narrative that the Karen Reed team is putting out there. And one would think, based upon this little vote um, of just Canton and not the whole potential jury pool, that there seem to be um, concerns with what the police have been doing to the point that for the first time ever, uh, voters who have voted at a town council meeting to investigate the police. I, I think it's a bad sign for the prosecution. But again, this is all pretrial. Right. Once you finally get a jury... And once they're listening to evidence and not things spouted off in the media, as we've discussed before, how much of Karen Reed's alleged defense gets into evidence? Right. Does the jury get to hear about scratches from a dog and things of this nature, which allegedly were present on the decedent? Um, is there any medical evidence or scientific evidence uh, or forensic evidence to back up these defense theories of the case. You know, we haven't heard one scrap of testimony under oath and not one exhibit has been presented. So for all of this bluff and bluster, I still think that Karen Reed's got a tough case on the defense. Yeah. Finally, Tim Dodd, I'm going to name two stories. You pick which one you find more <laughs> interesting and want to touch on. One is that uh, Twitter, now known as X, suing Media Matters over reports about ads appearing next to Nazi posts, or uh, B, behind door number two, is Trump's truth social parent company sues 20 media outlets. Well, we can't have a week go by without talking about the Trump right. universe, so we'll go with the Trump story. The Trump's social media company is suing a number, I believe 20, um, media outlets, including outlets like Reuters and national, um, national news outlets. Apparently, well, stories were printed in approximately 20 different media outlets that um, Truth Social, Trump's media platform, uh, is in dire financial straits and has currently year-to-date lost $78 million. Now, Trump would say, well, that's all part of the media narrative to bash me and to, you know, criticize me at every turn. The fact of the matter is, from Trump's perspective, and I think the, these media outlets have had to acknowledge it, that the $78 million was an inaccurate number because they were subtracting where they should have added, like one 
One item was a $50 million item which showed a profit and all of these media sources all took it to be a negative and, and they all utilized it at the same time to put out a false, well, an incorrect story at the same time. So what Trump is suggesting is there has to be coordination between these media outlets. How could they, within minutes of each other, all decide to put out the wrong story with the wrong information? Interesting. Now, he would have to show that there's some coordination. He would have to do some tremendous amount of discovery to show that there was some collusion or coordination, and this was an effort by all of these media companies to harm Trump, to um, to slander his his media company for the express purpose of um, putting Trump and Truth Social in a negative light. It seems curious that they all report a wrong story with wrong information and wrong to the point that it's harmful to Trump and Trump's reputation and his um, Truth Social. But can Trump show coordination? That would be the big question. Folks, again, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and all your listeners. Take care. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401 323-9252 AJ Drywall Plasters Home Improvement Frame to Finish Basements What a difference it'll make in your basement Acoustic Ceilings Look how beautiful your ceiling could be New Homes Additions Also Commercial Rehabs Painting Remodeling Contact them today It's a family run business AJ Drywall Plaster Home Improvements Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It is a stormy Wednesday, to say the least. Now, the good news is this storm is moving quickly, and by this afternoon, um, it should be coming to an end. But it is certainly causing a lot of havoc, a lot of havoc on the roads. Travel is very busy. Uh, I don't have, need to tell you that if you are traveling today, good luck. I, I'm not even going to say leave yourself extra time, because I'm not even sure that that would excuse me matter and even make a difference but it's just going to be a very very busy day but this uh early morning it started last night in this type of storm um just makes things even more complicated but again um a lot to be thankful for and happy thanksgiving to everyone now let's get to some of the news on this um on this day before as it's thanksgiving eve uh, a lot of talk coming out of the Middle East, seemingly that they have found or come to an agreement of some kind. Although I, I'm hoping and I think a lot of the, the I think they're going to pause and you won't have as much fighting and bombing as we've, we've had in the, in the past, certainly since October 7th. Um, now it's just a matter of just you know, how this could end up being kind of stop and starts a little bit. So a big uh, focal point of this whole thing right now is the release of the hostages, which would be uh, very good news. Let's get the latest now, this deal that would release at least 50 hostages over a four-day pause. Um this is, I guess, considered progress with what's going you know, the on. The families of those hostages have been putting so much hope in the negotiations that we have been reporting on. And overnight, those negotiations reached a pivotal point. All sides agreeing to pause the fighting in Gaza. And this morning, it seems that some of those hostages could be headed home soon. 
This morning, roughly 50 hostages held by Hamas and other militant groups are set to be released from Gaza. Hamas and Israel finally agreeing on the deal, officially approved by the Israeli government overnight. Securing the release by Hamas of around 50 hostages, including 30 children and some women. In exchange, Israel has agreed to release 150 Palestinian prisoners, women and teenagers. The exchange is set to happen over the course of a four-day pause in the hostilities, the first in over six weeks. Hamas says the ceasefire will allow hundreds of trucks of humanitarian relief, medical aid, and fuel to enter most parts of the Gaza Strip amid a deepening humanitarian crisis there. U.S. officials say three of the hostages set to be released are Americans. Three-year-old Abigail Moore Adan expected to be among them. Until we actually see Abigail and other children come out of Gaza, I really don't think I will let myself really believe that she's free. Abigail's parents killed when Hamas terrorists stormed Kafar Azah on October 7th. She was in her father's arms when he was shot dead. Her birthday this Friday. And we all pray that Abigail will actually be home to celebrate her fourth birthday. Throughout the negotiations, which were brokered by Qatar, President Biden was in constant contact with Prime Minister Netanyahu. But Netanyahu making clear that a temporary truce does not mean the war will stop, saying Israel will continue the war until they eliminate Hamas and bring all of the hostages home. For weeks, families have been demanding that the Israeli government prioritize the return of hostages. Outside the Israeli war cabinet building last night, loved ones waited in agony as Israeli officials debated the deal for hours. Hadas Calderon, hoping that her family members will be among those who are released, speaking to our Matt Gutman. I fight for this deal, but I don't know the details of the deal. Her 12-year-old son, Erez, just one of her family members taken hostage. I feel so guilty. I feel guilty. Why do they have to suffer? Why do they have to suffer so much? The Qatari government has been playing a key role as a mediator throughout all of this. And overnight, they released a statement confirming a humanitarian pause in the fighting, saying it could take effect in as early as 24 hours and will last four days. But they say it could be extended from there. And, Michael, that the number of hostages released could be increased as this agreement develops. That would be would obviously be good news uh this thing needs to simmer down over there it would seem that israel now has a firmer handle on hamas where there are a lot of their uh headquartered out of they're going to get a lot of intelligence once the hostages are released folks you're listening to the john DePietro show do you need a good plumber i found the best plumber jmb plumbing call them today all your plumbing needs 401-743-9153 jmb plumbing they've been providing plumbing services for years skilled professionals stand behind their work guarantee you will be happy maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes repair clogged pipelines maybe replace a, a water heater as well as all your plumbing needs call them now it's jmb plumbing 401-743-9153 nothing throws off your life or your home or your business when you need plumbing service you need someone reliable someone who's professional someone who'll handle the job and do it right it's jmb plumbing call them today 401-743-9153 jmb plumbing and look for them on facebook Remember to follow the John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of the John DePietro Show. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. 60 years ago, President Kennedy, 35th President of the United States, assassinated in dallas kennedy has been shot in dallas texas he was shot while he was touring town with governor Connolly in the famous bubble car the bubble was down both mrs kennedy and mrs Connolly were in the car with them three shots rang out and the president slumped forward and governor Connolly remained seated upright so far the latest word is that they are still alive Mrs. Kennedy, as soon as the president 
slumped forward. She grabbed him. She cradled him in her arms, and she said, oh, no, and tried to hold up his head. Then the car was quickly taken out of line and sped to the hospital. We have, re we have received word that two priests who were with the president have reported that the president is dead. Now, here, here again, we must, we must uh, emphasize that this is not an official announcement. It has not been announced by the White House or anyone in the official party traveling with the president. But uh, the Associated Press quotes two priests who were with the president stating that he died from the bullet wounds or wound inflicted upon him by a sniper. We have to assume that it was a sniper who fired from a considerable distance. The president was given the last rites of the Roman Catholic Church at about one o'clock uh, Dallas time. Still remains such a mystery you know, I think the Kennedy assassination, um, to this day, you know, there's so many unanswered questions about it. I think if you had a group of people in a room and asked them all what they thought happened, they would all give a different answer. I think the, well, I know, the most famous was the person who was on the air, and it was Walter Cronkite who you hear him pause, it also really also gave birth to television. The nation was then riveted watching this coverage over the course of the entire weekend. And then when you had Oswald shot right there on television. But let's go to, this was uh, Walter Cronkite. Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th President of the United States. You know, that composure that Cronkite maintained in giving that is still so iconic and it was an incredible moment not only in broadcast history but american history let's go to uh there was a documentary the last two days audio from a radio announcer on the scene i don't think i've heard this the motorcade begins the 11 mile ride to the dallas trademark where the president is to deliver a major address governor and mrs Connolly ride in the presidential limousine in a downtown building, a gunman waits at a six-floor window, a high-powered rifle by his side. A radio newsman describes the motorcade as it moves toward the Dallas trademark. The president's car is now turning onto Elm Street, and it will be only a matter of minutes before he arrives at the trademark. I was on Simmons Freeway earlier, and even the freeway was jam-packed with spectators waiting their chance to see the president as he made his way towards the trademark. It, it appears as though something has happened in the motorcade route. Something, I repeat, has happened in the motorcade route. There's numerous people running up the hill alongside Elm Street, there by the Simmons Freeway. Several police officers are rushing up the hill at this time. Stand by. Just a moment, please. Something has happened in the motorcade route. Stand by, please. Parkland Hospital, there has been a shooting. Parkland Hospital has been advised to stand by for a severe gunshot wound. I repeat, a shooting in the motorcade in the downtown area. Parkland Hospital has been advised to stand by for a severe gunshot wound. The president's car is now going past me. The limousine is now traveling at a very high rate of speed. Secret Service men standing up in the limousine. They are armed with submachine guns. It appears as though someone in the limousine might have been hit by the gunfire. Wow. You know, that is um, 60 years ago, folks. Notice radio always there. Still just kind of gives you chills and a, a lump in your throat. Caroline Kennedy talked about memories of her father with 60 Minutes. The Kennedy family watching bagpipers from the Scottish regiment, the Black Watch, on the south lawn of the White House. The date, November 13th. 1963. My mother kept that picture. It was the last picture of the four of us uh, that was taken. So 
Um, it meant a lot to her, so I was unhappy to have it. Many Americans remember you as that five-year-old girl who was gallivanting around the, the Oval Office, those pictures. What do you remember about your dad? Oh, well, I remember, you know, things that little kids would remember. And I do remember playing in the office, and I remember the bedtime stories he used to tell me. And I feel really lucky that I do have the memories that I have in the sense that my brother and I were the most important things in his life. You know, to this uh, day, folks, what a impact it had in New England. And just what a set off... Um, the end of Camelot, what, what set off then the, the, just the turbulent time of the 60s. But you think about, and it was just so different, and I can remember my parents, again, you know, anyone Irish Catholic in New England at the time, um, just talking about, you know, he was so young and handsome and good-looking and young children in the Oval Office, and what an impact. And here it is 60 years later. It's still hard to believe it happened. So much change since then regarding security with presidents. But today is the 60th anniversary. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Shoppa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today. Free consultation. 401-900-INSU, 401-900-4678, SHAPA Insurance, SIA, Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational, umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, SHAPA Insurance Agency, your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting. They're so knowledgeable, can have everything under one roof. Call Shapa Insurance today, 401-900-INSU or 401-900-4678. Look for them on Facebook. Again, located Reservoir Avenue in Cranston, Shapa Insurance Agency. Your neighbor, your partner, your friend. One-stop insurance solutions. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, I always tout our website just because it has exclusive stories and video. It has links to on-the-scene live stream. Remember, there's no vo uh, vowel I. It's D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, DePietro.com. You can also reach me that way if you'd like to get in touch with me. DePietro.com, log on and then links to Facebook and YouTube, everything we have, it's all waiting for you right there at the website. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food then they also have a great full bar large dining area and you're going to love the lounge the lodge pub and eatery people rave about their delicious consistent great food and also the great staff i'll see you at the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln check out topetro.com depetro.com all our links to social media exclusive stories and videos waiting for you at depetro.com 